We now return to... <laughs> <laughs> what do we call it? Bottom Text, the podcast. Forgets the name. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Um, happy mother freaking March. We made it. I think we... Whatever. I think we've been in March, but... Yeah. We've been in March. Yeah. No, it's been going good, though. How's your March been going, Andy? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. good. How about yours? fantastic we've been doing so much stuff recently it's kind of difficult to wrap my head around i haven't had a weekend to myself and i kind of love it yeah we are go go going like it's been nice we just went on a trip to one of andy's favorite places in the entire world catalina island Catalina. yes any documentary now fans rejoice absolutely fabulous place um we had such a good time we went with one of our one of our co-workers for her birthday we got a lot of beach time in we did the golf carts which was incredible i had never done that it's funny i've spent probably collectively like nine months of my life on catalina mm-hmm. and i've never actually driven those golf carts around that part of the island it's usually like the much more northern end by uh, Emerald Bay. Yeah, Andy used to work on Catalina Island, so he got to see all the cool exclusive parts. But I'm happy you got to like get your tourist kicks in. Like, I feel like renting a golf cart on the island is just the quintessential thing to do, and I'm happy we got to do it together. I'm very happy we did it, and I think the charm was that we went with some people that have never been before. Mm-hmm. And I think just seeing like how much joy they were having definitely rubbed off on me because I'm just like, yeah, it is beautiful, isn't mm-hmm. it? And no. 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 <laughs> Me interrupting. I'm trying to be a less affirmative listener, so I quit no, stepping I, on your words. I, I mean, I literally just did it. Too. <laughs> I totally understand it. Um, but yeah, no, Catalina, just, it's lovely. It's my home away from home. It's incredible, and I'm glad we got to go. It was just a great time. It's a lot of drinking, a lot of just like walking around and sightseeing. It was gorgeous outside too and i really like what you said where like we went with a bunch of people that had never been before because i feel the exact same way like anytime my back home friends come to visit me down here i'm like oh my gosh you're so excited by everything i'm so grossed out by la now (laughs) yeah it's weird like just growing up around here and being with like especially your friends because your friends are all from you know various walks of life whereas i grew up very la centric and all my friends are usually from around here the valley yeah and it's just weird seeing like people actually are in awe of this city that i live in that Mm -hmm. i kind of hate but also love and it's so sweet it's so charming and it kind of makes you look at everything a little bit differently as well you're like well maybe there is a little bit of magic still left in there but then you end up on like hollywood boulevard and you're just reminded by how terrible everything is yeah but but like you said it is kind of nice to be reminded and feel like Mm -hmm. a tourist in your home yeah yeah Speaking of, well, not really feeling like a tourist, but I got to, we got to try something very fucking new. This, what, what uh, this oh, VR. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. Let's go. We did VR for the first time. It was my first time, at least. Was it yours? Um, I've done like once or twice, but never that immersive. Mm-hmm. Usually just like a standard non-interactive experience, more just looking around. Yeah, we went to this place in like the mall near us uh will not drop the name because no free clout ha 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 but (laughs) (laughs) like the three people that listen to us no free clout not a thing and if you're one of those three people by the way we love you we love you happy 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 to have you here but you know what to be honest i'm not i don't want to talk about stats at all Mm -hmm. but for what we are we don't showcase ourselves we don't promote it like anywhere we don't even tell our friends sometimes it's word of mouth you gotta know us we have a weird amount of downloads if you're one of those people that we don't know <laughs> really? that's listening hey we kind of like say hi leave a comment leave you're a cool review as fuck. it's really weird but 
fuck it go for it man but yeah we went to this local mall who has like a vr experience thing and it's like a full one like they got the the headset there's a backpack there was little hand things and feet things and it was trippy as hell yeah they gave you like an entire isolated room i think they said it was like 300 square feet or something and it's just like you could just walk around and see, you know, your friends. Mm-hmm. Hey, Daphne. Sorry, I'm getting all cozied up with the dogs on the couch. Puppy noises. It's just really cool seeing, like, your friends as their avatars. And, like, you just wave to them or do high fives. And it just works. <laughs> yeah. And once it clicks in your brain, it's no longer jarring. It's just weird. I don't know. I had a hard time, especially with you. Because, like, there were, like, a couple strangers in our group. Because it wasn't, like, a huge group. But the avatars at the vr place were very generic it was like three different standard men and like a couple avatars with like ponytails or something it was cute it was cute but (laughs) the only real like personal thing you could see was people's people's heights right and since we're kind of like the same height and we were the same height as the the two strangers in the room i was like oh my god i can't i i don't want to turn around and think i'm waving at andy and be waving at this 40 year old man it doesn't help that i also chose like the white boy avatar (laughs) the standard one it was like oh my god who are these people but then our friends that we went with we love them we i love them i love them i love them they're both very short so i would always zero in on both of them and be like okay you know people here yeah you're safe you're okay yeah it was it was a men in black themed vr thing yeah and it was like as cool as it was to like walk around and high five the the effect itself really almost threw me off when it simulated that we were on an, a floating elevator yeah because i remember getting on my knees and like <laughs> poking my head out to look over the edge because i knew like i'm not gonna fall or anything yeah but just to see the effort they put into the animation and like it just is so fascinating how well done it is but on top of that, I remember at one point you're riding like a little speed bike and they mm-hmm. tell you to go to a corner and like grab onto the handles and they actually put physical handles there. I flipped. That wasn't even the thing that got me. What got me is that there's like a ball with like a little alien creature in it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to reach out and touch it thinking my hand would go through it or something. But when I put my hand on this glass ball with the there creature was something in it, there? yeah, there's actually like a thing there for you to touch. And I was knocking on it <laughs> and just like, you know... It, it really brought out the immersion. It, it was, was, it was a great experience. But honestly, though, <laughs> those little like Roblox hands that you got to look down at and <laughs> be like, oh, yes, this is a fist. This is a hand. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Just like, you know, waving your hand around. But all you can really do is sausage. move your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and definitely not what I was expecting. I don't think I fully adjusted at any point, And I was just kind of focusing on not accidentally walking off of like the platform that I forgot wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but would you let me get a VR like headset or like the kind you got to designate a whole room to it, that kind? I mean, not that I have to like let you do anything. <laughs> but like, you know? Yeah. No, I, I get it. It would definitely depend on where you wanted to set it up. Um, I don't know. Cost wise, they don't seem too crazy right now, but like, be honest with me how many vr games are out there that you're like i can't wait to fucking play that that sounds amazing i literally only want to get it to play skyrim in vr <laughs> that's it like there's other games obviously but mm-hmm. if someone told me there's only one game you can play on vr i don't mind buying an entire headset just to play skyrim in vr hell yeah hell that's yeah the, that's the crazy shit you'll never see me again that's me with the bath thing i mean okay, you, bye that's true, that's true. <laughs> no i mean go for it i that 
like, I don't know, whatever headset we're theoretically getting. Is it compatible with, like, all the games? Because I'm trying to play Breath of the Wild in VR and some shit, you know? I don't think there's Breath of the Wild in VR. Nintendo's no. not the biggest uh, friend of VR. Daphne, go under the <laughs> She's struggling, bro. Sorry. All these dogs want is to be tucked in. Stinky. Yeah, I mean, by God, Andy, if you want it, get it. In the words of Ariana Grande, I want it, I got it. If you want it, take it. Go for it. Do the damn thing. But I don't know. Not not at the top of my list currently. Yeah, I'm in no rush to, to get it. It's, it's really why I don't have one, to be honest. Only going to get better with time. It's only going to get better. We'll see. We There's talked no about rush. this last time. So. It's true. We'll see. Time we'll will see. Tell. Bringing it back to the last episode. Hello, hello. That's me. Yeah, no, we've been we've been doing a lot of fun stuff this month, and I've been having a blast. We've been also watching a lot of good TV. Too much TV. Not too much TV. No such thing. Sorry, I thought I heard something. Like what? People. People. Ew. Crazy. <laughs> no people. All right. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. You can drink. Oh, it's Hunter fucking snoring. Ah! Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so funny. Your headphones are too good, dude. He's so sweet. That fucker. He's a good boy. <laughs> but, yeah, um, like I was saying, we've been consuming the TV. We have been on the motherfucking tube, dude. Yep. We've been uh, kind of getting out of our comfort zone, just watching new stuff. It's been really nice. What did we watch, Sean? Oh my gosh. Um, well, not that this was getting out of our comfort zone, but the first one that comes to mind that I very much enjoyed, and I think you did too, is uh, the second season of Love is Blind, bro. I don't think I enjoyed it, to be honest. You didn't enjoy it? it oh was, my gosh, it was messy. It was the necessary context for really satisfying schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. You, anybody who doesn't know this about Andy, get ready. His favorite part of any reality TV show is always the reunion episode. I hate reality television, but goddamn, <laughs> a, a reunion episode or like those finales that like the catch ups, those are my favorite things in the world. And I'm willing to sit through a couple episodes of context to like understand the, the drama because goddamn, is it worth it? That's literally so funny because I'm exactly the opposite. I usually fly through those and I love the television. I'm like, why are they doing this last episode? But they have recently grown on me. You've changed my mindset. But you absolutely stuck around for the right reasons, because holy shit, that reunion special was bonkers, dude. Love is Blind season two fucking hits different, bro. It, was, it wasn't it was even like the experiment failed. Mm -hmm. It just didn't seem like it was the highlight of the show itself. It really was the failures that were the best part of this season. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't remember the names of the couples that ended up working out. Like, I'm so happy for them. I'm so happy that sane people got paired together and they made it work well i don't know too much about that one guy and that one girl who literally fought every other time they spoke yeah that's true but hey you know what they seem to be doing well in the, yeah. on the reunion and nothing but the best for them and it's true like they made a point like being away from our phones and on a reality television show kind of makes you a crazy person which is understandable yeah, yeah but here i am weeks and weeks later and i still remember shane i still remember shag I still remember Deep D, who is not problematic and is a queen. Shake, you goofed. Goober. Shake is a fool. <laughs> Shake, yeah. let's start with him. Let's go, girl. On our fucking hit list of Love is Blind cast members. Mm -hmm. Fucking Shake, I don't know what you were doing because from day one, 
they painted you to look bad and that could have been your opportunity to like clean it up and say hey the edit is bad but when you tried it you jumped in at the worst fucking time and then you just made a fucking fool of yourself the entire time it was the funniest thing in the world just watching it happen we were i was sweating more than that other guy was during his actual wedding <laughs> shit that dude that was just dripping bro that was the funniest shit in the world <laughs> cracking the fuck up this guy needed a paper towel so badly it was so hot at his wedding day and i was convinced he was like gonna say no and he was nervous but i was wrong i like oh, to imagine whoa. there's like a pa holding like a box of like just paper towels and kleenex and you're just like should i go like what do i do oh my god it's so bad he's dripping are you sure like, <laughs> no are you, are you sure i don't care if i get in the shot this dude's actually melting up there <laughs> holy shit i'm sure he'd actually appreciate it <laughs> but yeah fucking shake managed to make an enemy out of every single other person in that cast it was glorious it was really kind of interesting seeing um how many of the cast members didn't like him? Yeah. Because the show didn't paint out that kind of resentment, but it seems like everyone was annoyed with him in some way or tired of him. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I like how they kind of played with that because they kept showing all the footage of him telling other people, like, I'm not, you know, physically attracted to my fiance. And like you and I were talking the entire time, how annoying it was that he would bring it up to everyone. Yeah. And then finally seeing them roll their eyes and go, yeah, we fucking know. It was annoying. Yeah. Like, thank you for validating me. That was annoying as shit. That was uncalled for. But no, it was ridiculous. Like, I'm sure they cut out a lot from the final edit of the show. He would have that conversation with anybody that would speak to him for longer than 90 seconds. Yeah. He just had to let the world know, like, hey, I'm not attracted to my fiance. <laughs> she's amazing. She's the most wonderful woman I've ever met. Um, she's a gift. I don't want to fuck her. And that's why I'm going to implode this relationship. She reminds me of my aunt and I can't fuck my aunt. <laughs> like, dude. What? Okay. How, why, how did you get here? What's going on? Not even that. Just like, hey. Don't say it out loud, yeah. work on it, or at least tell your partner, like, hey, this is something we should work on, or yeah. just give it time. No, because especially... Maybe do it in the dark, and see, like, hey, get used to the physical feeling of it, then turn on the light, see what happens. I don't fucking know, <laughs> but don't tell the whole world, and national television, and everybody else, and the fucking <laughs> grandmother, that you don't want to bang your fucking fiancé. She doesn't give me boners, so, like, oh, what do I do, dude? It was him embarrassing it was mad embarrassing and you made a really good point actually and i have been spreading this point far and wide because it's a good theory that shake coming from i don't know whatever djing lifestyle he had before the show that he was kind of vague about um could only have sex with women if he like didn't respect them and deep t was one of the first women who he like got to know yeah and thought was really cool and he just i don't know combusted because he couldn't figure out how to respect a woman and have sex with her at the same time it's just sad but hey you know what i'm sure he could put her on his shoulders <laughs> but could i uh put you on my shoulders are you are you are you fat I, you're a pussy you're a pussy you suck but <laughs> let us not forget the other problematic king of the show all hail king shane king shane crackhead shane <laughs> 
his eyeballs, bro. Oh God. I mean, it's it's not very cool of me. I shouldn't take shots at his eyeballs, but dang, those things about to pop out of his head the entire season. Bro, I, I'm saying this as somebody with like like big eyes, bro. He was bugging. He was bugging. He was. Those are those are coke eyes. He was nervous. He was coked out of his mind. You can just fucking. I'm making accusations, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, we don't know for sure. Allegedly. But come on, allegedly. But come on, like look at this fucking guy. He's. You can tell these. This last weekend between the uh, the finale coming out and the reunion probably being taped a day or two later before it was edited and aired. Mm-hmm. Those are the longest two fucking days of his life. Even the fucking weeks leading up to it must have been fucking miserable. So part of me feels for him, but also like, bro, you are just a fucking fool. Like, yes, he was a shell of a man by the time he got to that couch in that studio, but lest we forget there was definitely some very legitimate relationship problems going on with him like he was so dismissive and he needed reassure reassurance constantly constantly he could not take like a little sarcastic joke for the life of him it was kind of like frustrating to watch i found it really interesting because like he's a sarcastic guy he can dish it he just couldn't fucking take it literally simple like do you think i'm pretty and I forget her, uh, the fiance's name. I believe it was Natalie. Yeah. Uh, her just kind of being like, mm, not today or giving a, a jokey response. Mm-hmm. He would flip. Mm-hmm. He would lose it. And I feel like if I did that, you know, to you or to anybody, I got to be ready for any response. if I'm setting them up for a joke. You yeah. Know? I can't expect them to read my mind and just, you know, flip out when they don't. It's <laughs> it's ludicrous. He's a he's a goober of a man. Mm-hmm. And seeing him flirt with the other girl. Ooh. With, Shayna, Miss Shayna. Oh my God, the memes about her like squinting are killing me. Not being able to blink. <laughs> she was. I had no idea what she was going for because like her whole thing during the reunion was like, no, I wasn't in it just to be on TV. Like I genuinely wanted to fall in love during this experience, but it just didn't happen. And I know what I did wrong. I know I should have said something earlier to my partner, but I just couldn't like what why are you here then why what happened what happened well a part of me wants to think wants to think Uh it really was the issue she had with religion with the other guy Mm -hmm. but she had issues with him beforehand and never once brought that up to the very end i feel like if religion is that big of a deal for you and really played that big of a role in your relationship first first thing it's the first thing Mm -hmm. it's not something you bring up after you're you know you're engaged yeah but on that same note like if that was genuinely the only problem like she and that other guy just didn't gel because of religion and she was like oh fuck it it just didn't work out for me why did she pull up to the beach and have that crazy ass confrontation with shane it was so uncalled for and slimy yeah like i don't i feel like she must have been pushed into doing that by a producer because it was just mean well i feel like it's one of those where the producers were like honestly she's probably pretty good on camera mm-hmm. call her back because i think at that point she had left the show she yeah. wanted to leave so they probably said hey you're still here you're gonna be here for the night or something just go to the party tomorrow talk to people see what happens worst case scenario she's boring and gives us no footage you know yeah so they probably just invited her told her have some drinks meet the people and she said fuck it fists were flying she she was ready to fucking end a relationship but she didn't pull up after that that was her like last time on the show yeah 
like quote unquote in the season besides the reunion and it was it was very bizarre very bizarre well probably because she realized shane called her out and he, she was just like there's no chance <laughs> i'm done <laughs> i better not commit any more social suicide yeah. it was that was tough but overall a blast of a season i love reality television and i had a lot of fun watching that one with you yeah shout out all the happy couples in the show yeah and all the people that are on the show just trying to genuinely find love it didn't work out for it you'll be okay yeah. but you know what the y'all that went on there on the wrong show fucking shake you're on the wrong show dude dude when he went after who's the host and his wife vanessa Leahy was the woman and i think her husband's name is nick Leahy. what did he say he said i wouldn't i'm not attracted to any of the women here <laughs> except for you vanessa yeah and she had to be like um what <laughs> her husband is right there and they're Kudos, kudos to them for being so fucking professional. Uh-huh. But holy crap, what an awkward situation. That was so fucking spicy, dude. Like, oh you're God. in the middle of apologizing to a room of people that hate you that you've interrupted like six times at that point, and you say, fuck it, I'm shooting my fucking shot. I, I want this married woman sitting at the head of this circle. He's diving right in there, dude. You're bonkers. You're bonkers. Yeah. He's going to be doing damage control on that rep for a little bit. Hopefully it's a good lesson on when you should be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Damn. Um, what other shows have you watched? So much good stuff. We, speaking of another season two wrapped up season two of righteous gemstones oh my god yeah mm-hmm. so this one we were watching it and we caught up like about halfway through with it the second season had just dropped and you were like oh i've i watched this show ages ago i should watch the second season and i was like i haven't seen the first season let's do it and i think we caught up after they were like four ish episodes into season two okay yeah mm-hmm. and what'd you think of the show um amazing so fun like so incredibly fun it's just such (laughs) a gaggle of incredibly unique funny characters that just work well with each other and i i would in theory take points off because i've noticed like the structure of their show is like a villain of the season first villain of the season gets eliminated new season starts fresh and i don't necessarily like love that especially if it's just a different big bad each time that they have to go find but I literally don't give a shit because it's so delightful to watch all of these characters interact with each other. Yeah, I feel like I watched season one because there was a really good story being told, a really interesting plot. I watched season two because the characters are so fun to watch interact with. They're so goofy and just ridiculous. It's a different kind of laugh because the characters are so dumb, but also like kind of charming because you see where they're coming from. Usually You, you see what makes them who they are and they're just like, they're just fools. They don't know any better and you can't help but pity them because plus they're sweethearts. They're just so fucking rich. They're so jaded. Bless them. They're just out of touch. It's all that Jesus. It's all that Jesus. And yeah, I don't necessarily like agree with the majority of the characters, but I see where they're coming from. I see where they're going. I kind of understand the way they think. And even if I don't like relate to it, I can understand why people are doing things that they're doing. Yeah. And on top of that, I feel like the show... As someone who, you know, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of organized religion, um, especially to a mass scale like Christianity. Um, I found it really interesting that the show doesn't really like choose a side or a stance on anti-religion or pro-religion. There are moments where if you do something bad, there is some karmic force Mm -hmm. kind of keeping things in check or keeping things balanced. There is some sense of like reward and faith that 
exists in this world that these characters do experience and i think it's really nice that they don't pick a side they kind of do keep it up in the air because that's what religion should be it should be skepticism it should be quote unquote faith i like that the show focused on that and made that a big part of it yeah no the the show isn't anti-religion it's anti-capitalist and it's very interesting <laughs> like like you said there's like a what could be inferred as a presence of god in the show miracles happen we all watched the cross get dragged across the ground and then put into the little thing we all saw the bee bring uncle baby billy back to life <gasps> uncle baby billy uncle baby billy uncle baby billy oh my gosh yeah delightful incredibly delightful some of my favorite characters must shout out um keith absolute legend what what a great fucking character iconic i every scene he's in even if he's not doing nothing he's the star i am drawn to him they can give him nothing to do and my eyes are still glued to him i love that man i love that man i can't wait for the next season please god let there be a next season miracles can happen right give me more keef um i think they're confirmed for season three hell yeah Yeah. hell yeah and then who else do i love uncle baby billy's very fun and his his wife tiffany (laughs) toilet babies (laughs) tiffany the toilet baby oh my god she is just the sweetest thing in the entire world i'm obsessed with her and oh god judy lee judy lee i love judy she is a fucking iconic character (laughs) i love her she's a fucking queen a delight a delight to watch and they give her all the fucking funniest lines too oh yeah what about uh who's her husband bj dude bj bj that reveal when he got the fucking earring yo (laughs) we had to pause it because we were laughing so fucking hard that was the funniest thing i've seen on hbo since justice league snyder cut hey yes <laughs> definitely so delightful so charming i for me i just can't get the image of him and his little like pink satin tuxedo romper out of my mind it's glued in there i love just the added frame and the effort they put in to make bj's baptism ceremony its own like moment its Mm -mm. own segment it's a big deal yeah it's a real big deal it's a real bit that jesus feller (laughs) sweet baby jesus yeah i fucking love this show it's so funny it's definitely because like when you read the tag it's like oh it's about fucking bible thumpers and like what are they called again born again christians and the mega churches and all that crazy stuff and i was like oh is this show for me this show's for everybody everybody can laugh at this show if you think capitalism is funny, go ahead and have a giggle because everybody else here does too. I would say the show is for the open-minded. Mm-hmm. If you lean one way in either direction, pro or anti-religion, I feel like it's going to offend you or it's going to piss you off in some way. And I feel like this show really could have been the perfect like satire on megachurches. Mm-hmm. Instead, it kind of is its own thing, kind of sends its ground. It's like, no, this is just a show about these people mm-hmm. and the shit they go through in their lives while also keeping it unique and comedic in its own way mm-hmm. it, yeah they're not trying to push a message or anything you just it's a setting for a particularly odd group of people right and they're fascinating they're so funny and danny mcbride just makes great tv he makes fantastic tv along with um righteous gemstones we also what just finished watching pam and tommy mm-hmm. fun little show on hulu yeah fun ass miniseries it was like what five episodes six episodes i think eight i'm not really too sure really oh man it flew by yeah it goes so quickly um another 
absolutely delightful piece of television. One that I was not expecting to enjoy, but I feel like everybody's just kind of concurrently saying, yeah, no, I didn't want to like this, but it's so good. It's so entertaining. It's surprisingly good. And I'm going to quote, this sounds ridiculous. I'm going to quote Mike from Red Letter Media. Shout out. He was talking about it. And I think he somehow, as dramatic as it sounds, hit the nail on the head. It, mm-hmm. it is almost Shakespearean. Oh, this yeah. This great epic tragedy where no one wins. It's just people ruining each other's lives and it gets worse and worse. And the fallout of just people being shitty to each other. I thought it was really interesting. And they, they handled it so well by making Pam truly the star of the show. Mm-hmm. I sympathized through her mostly throughout the show more than I did with any of the other characters. Like the first episode they want you to feel bad for Seth Rogen's character by the end of it he's a piece of shit and I fucking hate him he made consistently terrible choices and he obviously suffers the consequences for them and you are along for the ride as well but yeah it's the more interesting part of the show is definitely what his and Tommy Lee's choices do to Pam like throughout the story and god what a fucking dynamite performance dynamite everybody killed it everybody (sighs) killed it Incredible! I thought the uh, the makeup. What's her name? I, f- I forget. Her Lily name. James. Lily James. The makeup, the prosthetics, whatever they did for her. Shout out your makeup team. Shout wow. out. Wow! Incredible. Mm-hmm. The fact that I didn't know who played her, the first couple episodes, and I chose not to look because I was just so immersed in it. Mm-hmm. Incredible. When I think back about like images or scenes from the show, I can only picture the actual Pam and Tommy because they did such a good job just making the image so lifelike and so real for both Pam as well as Sebastian Stan who played Tommy Lee. They did a great fucking job with it. Mm-hmm. And how, God, the choices that were made, the dramatic choices were not too over the top, but like spicy enough to just keep me wanting more the entire series. Like the story is paced so well and so interestingly. It's just, it's the one of the easiest watches in terms of like binging of this year so far you can just sit down and get lost in this shit it's so good how much of this case did you know about before oh not a damn thing which is why i was so intrigued by the series i was like oh interesting i'll maybe learn a thing or two about what went down but no it was a real a deep dive into like the events but it went so much further exploring those themes of like morality and like the, the butterfly effect like what you do it, it'll come on back to you and karma and world religion and how it is to be a woman who's a sex symbol in hollywood and the fucking baggage that comes with that it was really interesting yeah especially just this time capsule of a, a period in the 90s where the internet was still kind of a new thing you see like you know, Nikki Six is trying to explain to Tommy how to type <laughs> into the search bar. They went to the library yeah. to like get on the internet. And I thought it was really cool because I only knew there was a sex tape and that Tommy Lee had a long penis and steered a boat with it. <laughs> you know, I didn't know anything about this. And I feel like as, as good as the show was, I feel like the only thing that holds it back from really being elevated to like great television is the fact that it's really inaccurate yeah if this was a much more accurate retelling i'd be blown away by it Mm -hmm. but instead they changed a lot of it they toned down a lot of the timeline and the some of the things that were going on just to fit their own entertainment narrative i get it's a show but there was a great opportunity that to me i think was missed 
Yeah, because you, like, we after we finished it, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I feel like I learned a lot about this. I can't wait. Because you had gotten word that uh, Miss Pam Anderson herself is in works with Netflix for a documentary about, I guess, this whole situation. And she can tell her side of the story and come out with her truth. And that's sickening. I cannot wait to watch that. That's going to be so interesting. But you brought up, like, yeah, no, a lot of shit went down that the show really decided to handle in a completely different way. Yeah, there's a scene where, you know, Pam wants to uh, have Tommy sign some paperwork and he gets angry and flips out. And in real life, at this point, they already had children together and he was beating her on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And the show tones it down to be this romantic heartbreak, this, this moment where she realized she can't be with Tommy and it's just like, it's supposed to be sad when in reality it's, depressing so scary yeah it's morbid and they tone it down for the show and i get that but i'd like to have seen these characters actually be dived into more realistically Mm -hmm. they painted tommy lee to be the dummy rock star rather than the junkie the druggie Mm -hmm. the the womanizer and instead they made him seem kind of romantic and Mm -hmm. just for the sake of pity i understand because that's the show they're trying to tell it's the story they're telling but i guess it wouldn't match the ethos of you know the show's themes yeah i still feel like they missed an opportunity with that i mean that's just like a huge piece of information but it regardless of the choices that were made it just goes to show like how amazing those performances were yeah again just because like oh my god i don't know dick about tommy lee the only thing i knew about tommy lee was like he was kind of an asshole and a drummer and Sebastian Stan just made me see this like, oh, he's just like this hopeless romantic and he's kind of a dummy. He gets in over his head sometimes, but he really loves this girl. And ooh, I believed it. I bought it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so sweet. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this. Yeah. My only impression of Tommy Lee, to be honest, was I'm not the biggest fan of Motley Crue. I'll, I'll say that they have a couple songs that I think are OK. But, you know, I've seen them live before. I've met Tommy a few times. Mm-hmm. Really lovely guy. So when I saw all this, there was an angle that like, oh, I didn't know these things about him. And by me doing the research afterwards to find out how inaccurate it was, I was kind of blown away by not just who he was, but who he is now. Because he's very out of the spotlight considering how big this whole scandal really was at the time. It's, mm-hmm. it's life changing and it's just weird how out of the limelight he is. And he's not really talked about and revered as much. And it shows how like these things are so dramatic in the time and in the moment of course this was you know 20 30 years ago Mm -hmm. but it's crazy how it people just forgot if things just moved on and people did change and now pamela anderson has a great career as lady from borat (laughs) and and tommy lee has a great career you know what is he doing hanging out with the house fucking oof (laughs) good shit yeah no it's wild that people don't say oh Tommy Lee woman beater that's not the first thing that comes up it's just fascinating how time moves on and I don't know how either of them feel about the whole thing obviously we're probably gonna know how Pam feels pretty too pretty soon and yeah shout out Pam don't worry girl in the future you are thriving um you are a queen the gays love you um everybody dresses up like you from Baywatch for Halloween you are an icon we love you we love you we love you Rock them thin brows, girl. <laughs> and I apologize for any men that yell Borat quotes at you. Yeah. That must be unfortunate. Oh, God. Not. That's fabulous. And I want to talk about one more show. What do you want to talk about? That we watched. 
honestly, I feel like you can introduce this one better to me. I didn't watch season one, and I hardly watched season two. Uh, Dollface? Yo, yes. Um, Dollface, very fun. The new season, it uh, it just wrapped up pretty recently. We finished watching it. You did slide along for the very end of the first season, but... Um, I'm happy I got to watch season two with you. It was very, very sweet. I do love Dollface. Um, this season got a little crazy just because I feel like the concept and the timeline of the first season was so structured. Like, incident, she gets dumped, and then she has to find her way to being in a good place and having repaired her relationships by the end of the first season. So season two starts in, like, a pretty good place. Like, oh, all the girls are back together. But now it's, like job stuff and like getting back out there and turning 30 and all of that stuff which was interesting there were definitely some moments that got a little bit insufferable and this is not to throw shade but i'm gonna throw a little shade lily singh makes an appearance (laughs) in this show she is a she is a minor character um well not a minor character like a a supporting character for one of the girls they have a whole storyline with her and Oh my god, uh, it was very weird, especially because all of these girls in the cast obviously get along. They obviously all act well with each other. The chemistry feels really natural. You believe that these girls are friends. And then Lily Singh comes in with, with her dead eyes and her perma smile. Ghost looking. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, they turned what could have been a. Like, she's written to be a supporting character, she's a love interest. Mm-hmm. She has, you know goals and aspirations but lily somehow turns that this character into a phrase that i'm coining a character yeah where she's just kind of fucking there mm-hmm. you know and i feel like that kind of her whole arc and everything going on with her to me felt like the rest of the season because to me this season so much happened but i feel like nothing fucking happened <laughs> kat denning's got a promotion and then she quit her job, but then she got her job back. And then the other girl was friends with her, and then she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Lily Singh thing, she was in a relationship. She was happy. Things are great. And then she wasn't because her kid found her dildo or something. <laughs> and I thought the whole, like, we're opening a bar would yeah. be, like, a big thing at the whole season. No. Nah, man. And they kind of just did it at the end. Mm-hmm. You know? That was the finale. I totally agree with you that. Yeah, a lot of quote-unquote things happened, but there were no real major changes in the characters, which, in fairness, that is the structure of a sitcom. Like, you can have as much shit happen as you like, but you have to get your characters back to, like, a ground point so you can keep your options open for the future. Future of the season, the future episodes, blah, blah, blah. They have to be moldable. They have to be consistent. But... Yeah, some of the some of the storylines this season were a little wacky. I did really enjoy watching Jules kind of explore little relationships and like time management and the stuff that was really compelling for me, maybe because I'm the target audience of this show was like kind of watching all of the girls try and navigate their careers and encounter little roadblocks and get frustrated and think oh i'm not gonna make it but they get creative they find solutions they push through they get where they're trying to go that was cool but then there's a bunch of goofy stuff as well yeah i feel like you said it's a sitcom i feel like this is that different realm of sitcom it's not like the simpsons or seinfeld where Mm -hmm. everything's back to square one by the end of the episode everything is fine Mm -hmm. this seemed to have a 
bit more of a story and it didn't really stick to it or like have an end goal. It kind of just let things happen for the sake of in this episode, oh no, she happens to be jobless. We'll make sure she has no job for this episode. Mm-hmm. Just for some reason they do that. And, you know, you're talking about like the most compelling parts of the show. I feel like I, I zoned out so much on this show, not out of disinterest. I, I just couldn't tell you what was going on mm. because like I just felt like it wasn't going anywhere. Okay. And I guess the part that got me the most interested was when a background character looked familiar to me <laughs> and I was like, hey, is that Josh Carter from Fantagram? And, and suddenly, then he literally just goes, hi, I'm Josh Carter from Fantagram and this is Sarah <laughs> from Fantagram. We are Fantagram. Yeah. And then Fantagram performed. Surprise. One of your favorite bands is in the finale. Surprise. They were. They're, they're definitely up there as I, my teenage like, oh, they, I, was, I was a ride yeah. or die when I was like 16. Mm-hmm. But it was just jarring to like, oh, all of a sudden the guy that she was dating happens to be like the second guitarist in Fantagram. Okay, like, da, 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 da. whatever. And then they performed, and I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> that was fun. I giggled. I like, giggled a I, little bit. I love those two. I'm glad they're getting coverage, but what a weird group to throw on. Your face was priceless. It was hilarious. Because I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I just couldn't. I was like, that guy looks like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a TV show for the motherfucking girls. I recognize I am the niche they are marketing to woman in mid-twenties working not married semi-independent right i i am i am game for this show i really do enjoy it i think it's i just like consuming semi-harmless tv about female friendships (laughs) which is cool and i think what lured me into the show is especially after watching only the finale with you and being like oh this seems pretty cool is that there's somewhat surreal elements to it Mm -hmm. there's moments where you know, they're trying to plan out a text message and, you know, the whole team's together. And, you know, it, it just feels very similar to one of my personal favorite shows, Man Seeking Woman. Which is a fantastic show. And my thoughts were, like, is Dollface kind of like the the more female-centric version of that? Is that one for the girls? Because I, I would see some scenes would kind of trail off and get very dreamlike and surreal. And I thought this could be it. But they never really did enough with that. There wasn't enough with it to call the show surreal. Yeah, there was usually like one surreal scene per episode. And I always thought they were fun. It was never unwelcome. But you're right. It's definitely they didn't like lean into it. They didn't do the whole man seeking woman thing where that kind of becomes the plot. It's just usually a diversion. Right. It's it's used in a different way. Instead of like fueling the story, it's more just like a little peek inside what's going on in the girls' minds. You know? Yeah. The girls, the material girls. Material girl. Material girl. That's pretty much all the TV, but you know what? There, there's, uh, I, I'm keeping promises, man. Let's go. So we said a while ago that we were going to talk about two movies that are eerily similar <laughs> once Sean has seen them. And guess what? <gasps> Bitch, saw she them. saw them. She saw fucking them. watched them. So for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, we are talking about the similarities between two films. Um, Joker from, I believe, 2019, and The King of Comedy, the Martin Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on them, Sean? Let's, let's, let's start off down the line. What is the plot of King of Comedy? Ugh. The plot to King of Comedy is a mentally ill man uh, is convinced that through 
I forget the name of the talk show host. That's the main subject. What was it's okay. Name? It's okay. I forget too. It's okay. It's okay. Um, he's convinced that through meeting this very famous TV show host that he will someday host the show. That's his dream. He wants to host his favorite late night show. That is what he is convinced he's got to do. And because he is mentally ill, um, he decides instead of like, I don't know, playing the circuit, doing stand up, working his way to the top, he and his buddy decide to kidnap this this man, this celebrity, after relentless attempts to get his attention that all fail. They kidnap him and he hosts the show because he has the host of the show hostage in a different location. He convinces everybody to let him go and then he does his performance. He releases the superstar he is trapped in this house and then he goes to jail and he becomes very famous because oh my gosh he was crazy look at what he did and what do you think of the film i very much enjoyed it i thought it was really cool um <laughs> not to start already knocking joker but it was shorter than joker it oh, puppy puppy dreams she's dreaming hard dude oh my gosh this dog is having crazy dreams but yeah not to start knocking joker before we've even finished king of comedy but it was shorter than the Joker. Um, it was like what, tight ninety? Probably yeah. It was very well paced. The characters were really interesting, um, and you spent a lot of time with this guy who's obviously not completely right, um, but you—he's portrayed in a way that you kind of understand where his head's at and why he's choosing to make these very objectively crazy decisions. And yeah, the 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 twist was really cool. I didn't know that he would actually kidnap this man. And I really liked the ending where he gives his big performance and then he says, "Okay, I'm off to jail." And then surprise, he ended up getting what he wanted in the first place. Right. Because he did this crazy thing. And it was it was really cool. It was it was a very a very 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 interesting movie. Really good performances. Uh it was compelling. I, I, I got a kick out of it. And you know what? The joke's pretty funny. Yeah. I think to me, the uh, the biggest difference between him as a character versus Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker mm-hmm. is that he's actually funny. He's funny. He's actually very, very funny and he's very witty and entertaining. He's nonviolent. Mm-hmm. He's not, when he hijacks the show and he hijacks the network and he ties up this man with a fucking gun, he has no intention of harming him. Mm-hmm. Zero. He just needs to scare people. He just wants to have his big moment. Mm-hmm. He wants to show the world I am funny. I, like, you know, it's it's this this drive that I think is very reflective of the modern age as well. This 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 culture has existed for so long and it's still hustle, so prevalent. Yeah, it's this this hustle, this I gotta make it big, I gotta have my big show. Mm-hmm. And it drives people fucking crazy. This yeah. this celebrity culture is highlighted so well there. Um, but on top of that, I feel like this movie has a lot more to say than joker does yeah and i feel like it has a lot more to say about modern times than joker does considering joker's only a couple years old and try to tell you know a story with themes that reflect modern age and modern you know times i feel like this movie even though it's like 50 years old now did a much better job of showing how like you know clout and virality really can start and launch a career Mm -hmm. you could be famous for doing something horrendous like a 
you know, filming a dead body and putting it in a YouTube thumbnail. That could be the big thing to stardom for you. Mm -hmm. And this movie really has a lot more to say about that than I think Joker has to say about anything. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I'm, I, I, the big, big difference for me between the two main characters was how they chose to like treat them quote unquote because both of the main the main dudes in both of these movies big old senses of entitlement big old big old chip on the shoulder like this is what I deserve this is where I need to be I'm just gonna get frustrated if you don't let me do it and while king of comedy we spent the entire movie watching this guy just get knocked on his ass and being told no 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 you can't do this until he decides to say fuck it I'm doing something extreme you gonna let me do what I gotta do suffers the consequences for it goes to prison ends up getting what he wants which is kind of the larger message of the movie um but in joker this entitled man um is treated badly for seemingly no reason he's just a little different he's just got a, a little brain tumor or something he's he's ill and everybody's so horrible to him and that's why he's got this chip on his shoulder and everybody else is wrong yeah i feel like king of comedy uh, this is gonna sound awful Go off. king of comedy is very much <clears throat> the character is a result of society mm-hmm. in our culture whereas joker is trying so hard to like make a statement about society but it's such a very niche point of it it's such a very just like unexplored part of it in our culture still Mm-hmm. I feel like it just doesn't work because the themes weren't explored well enough or maturely enough. Mm-hmm. It just, at the end of the day, he is a comic book villain. Yeah. That's where he's going to end up. And it had to be treated that way. Whereas King of Comedy is a lot more grounded. It's a lot more real. It feels scary when, you know, the FBI gets involved and they're trying to interview him. He's like, I just want to do my show. It's like, oh, that damn. to me. Yeah. And, and his drive and his focus and his confidence to me is what the joker should be it should be someone where there's one part of you that goes but i get it i relate Mm -hmm. because that's what the joker's always been about it's he's crazy but you see where he's coming from Mm -hmm. i feel like in the todd phillips joker movie he's so naturally just unadjusted to society you can't say it's society's fault Mm -hmm. he has mental disorders he has all this trauma he's all these things you can't blame all of that on the one percent like the movie's trying to say Mm -hmm. And I just feel like Joker just tries so hard to say something so important, so smart. And at the end of the day, it is just a Batman movie Mm -hmm. that isn't very good and doesn't have Batman. Yeah, it's just kind of alarming Joker because like, yeah, he's a flawed character. He's got shit wrong with him. He's going to end up being the bad guy in the end. But the world that he exists in is so cruel to him. And that's what kind of justifies his transformation into the joker baby like it it's giving incel like what else can i say it's giving incel yeah it's that same level of um entitlement i think is a great word that you use Mm -hmm. it's that same level of entitlement it's the no i could kill somebody just because he's rich because he was mean to me no you're stooping to their level Mm -hmm. you're not better than them at that point you know whereas i feel like king of comedy really is just him trying to motivate himself he knows he's the best and yeah. it's that drive everyone everyone that has that talent feels that way they just want that one big break and you get his motivation so well whereas if you like you know Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker 
his motivations and the way the world reacts to it aren't realistic no really the whole world celebrated that one rich kids or one group of rich kids got shot like that's the reaction like yeah we're gonna celebrate that no like even today like people would get pissed off there wouldn't be celebrations and riots about that that's a divisive issue yeah and we've seen actual riots and you know protests take place because of the one percent and they're never driven by things like that they're never motivated by things like that it's usually just actual injustice going on Mm -hmm. not because they beat up some guy and i just feel like the world that they presented only beat down on joaquin phoenix and not on everyone else yeah so it doesn't feel like the world should have reacted that way you know it it just makes you feel icky it just makes you feel a little icky when you're watching it yeah. and it's so fucking long <laughs> and it's long and like there's this weird element of like cringe to it yeah where like when some of the things that happen to him that you're supposed to sympathize and feel bad you, it's just cringe it's he doesn't just, come off likable yeah and like oh my god there's so many just awkward moments like him going up to a child bruce wayne and just putting his fingers in his mouth and just like <laughs> It's just weird, you know? Yeah, like, you're fucking creepy. People should be mean to you. Yeah, like, you deserve to get your ass kicked if you're mm-hmm. going to be acting like this to people. And then you can't just take that and say, well, that's why he's like this. Right. Like, he was the problem to begin with. He just became more of a problem. Yeah, and I feel like King of a Comedy, when I look at that and I go, what made this man like this? I, myself, being somebody who likes movies, entertainment, and like. I don't worship celebrities, but there's an aspect of I know what's going on in their lives sometimes. I think they're mm-hmm. really interesting to follow up on. It makes me feel like I'm part of the problem that makes people like this. Mm-hmm. Whereas Joker, I never once feel responsible. No. They're putting all the blame on the 1% and not the things that we as a society could do to prevent things like this. And it's mm-hmm. just trying so hard to be edgy and dark that it falls flat and becomes itself a joke. Ooh, 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 drop the mic, bitch. Fucking Ebert up in this bitch. Ding, bruh. That was a good one. I can't even say anything cooler than that. That was an excellent bow on that one. Thank you, thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. You earned it. That was a good one. While we're on the this, you know, great brain surge of creativity. Brain surge. Let's talk about some literature. Literature. What are you, uh, what are you reading right now? I am being very slutty. I am bopping around from book to book because I cannot focus on a single one. Um, I'm currently back in my David Sedaris rut. Shout out. (laughs) Having a blast here. Are you okay? I am fine. I'm fine. I just, I just, I don't know. He is one of the most beautiful writers. He writes so not, I wouldn't, okay, this isn't a diss. I wouldn't say he writes eloquently, but his writing is so accessible and vulnerable and human and funny and it's really compelling to kind of just get wrapped up in these little stories um they make you feel a hell of a lot of feelings too which i enjoy um but i'm also on the other half bopping around to my feminist literature rut (laughs) having a blast (laughs) rereading um the awakening by kate either chopin or chopin uh, not sure, but she is incredible. I could talk about her forever. She's so cool. <laughs> this book is fabulous. Anybody out there listening who needs a good, a good story about a, a woman with mental illness and a society? society, society, it's a great one. Um, yeah, I, I really love my historical feminist literature and I really like 
getting to peer into like, oh, what was life like for a gal growing up in the late 1800s? What was what what are the feelings that she's feeling? What are the thoughts that she's thinking? How is she dealing with everything? It's a really compelling story and I definitely recommend it to you. But you, Mr. Reader over there, what are you munching on at the moment? At the moment, I'm reading a book I'm not really enjoying, to be honest. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading, um, don't judge me. I'm reading um, The Book of Lies by Edward Alistair Crowley. No judgment. It's it, So he is an occultist from the early 20th century. I'm learning more about his life as I'm reading the book because the book is just poetry and I would say maybe hymns or I guess cultish or religious you know phrases and spells or things like that I don't know he's a self-proclaimed magician and speaker of the spirits so it's really interesting seeing his poetry but next to the poetry there's also commentary quote-unquote and it's experts members of the cult breaking it down and kind of translating what he's saying and you know what these these movements and these ritualistic phrases mean and how you can translate them to a modern sense I read this out of pure curiosity. I, I had a mild interest and knowledge of who he was, so I wanted to dive into it and kind of learn more about the occult. And I didn't know it was pure poetry and pure just like pagan symbolism breakdowns and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. it's really cool getting into his head, reading the things that he says in the poetry and the things that he has to say. And I have my own interpretations of it. I'm like, wow, this is actually kind of beautiful and thought provoking. Then I read the commentary and find out I'm totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then it is just some satanic, you know, bullshit. I'm like, oh, okay, so never mind then. I don't know, though. Like, you've showed me some of the quote-unquote analyses from his loyal followers and fans. And some of them are just kind of goofy. So I say if you get something out of what he's writing that isn't translated in the analysis, fuck him. Fuck him. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm getting out of it, just the the artistic use of his vernacular mm -hmm. you know he's he's very witty he is a man of of literature he's very smart very educated and it, and it reads through his work very clearly so it's cool to kind of just get the poetic side of like what is he trying to say what's the meaning of this poem or these phrases or paragraphs as the book calls them mm -hmm. but also just the fact that like the book insists you read his other books the book insists like if you read if you open up this book and go to this chapter you'll see it's actually referenced to this line from his previous book which is you know collect them all yeah so it does require you to like be an expert in him which i'm not and i feel like because he is an occultist there is a literal cult following that i'm not a part of there's gonna be a big level of interest that's just out the window for me and i'm feeling it because it is kind of a slog to go through some mm -hmm. poems really interesting really thought-provoking others are just gibberish and i don't want to read a series of letters and numbers that make sense to cult members but not to me yeah like thank you for giving me your quote-unquote keys to the meaning of life but some of these keys don't make fucking sense bro but you know what? i'll say this one if there's one key that i've learned from reading this so much it's do what thou wilt mm -hmm. and the uh the significance of that phrase which I found very fascinating, really interesting. So, you know, I'm not just gonna, you know, throw it away, but I'm definitely not gonna read this one ever again. I'm I'm highlighting certain parts that I like. I don't know why, maybe in 40, 50 years, I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, that's interesting. But, you know, it, I'm probably never gonna pick up this book again. Yeah. But I did, I don't know, I've been reading a whole lot. What's another one that I read? I read In the Weeds. I forget the author's name, but it is a book about Anthony Bourdain, 
written by the director of his show Mm -hmm. and it's very fascinating kind of getting the insights not just production wise and what cameras do they use on the food shots but the the adventures that they went on just the celebrity status that came with it but also the shenanigans that they got into and the the bullshit on the side anthony bourdain was a very troubled man Mm -hmm. he abused this man but it's he still stuck with him and made great television and I found the book to be really inspiring for me personally on a production and creative level and just the motivation required to make a, a travel show. But I think I learned from watching, or I guess I learned from reading this book, as much as everybody dreams of like, oh, a travel show is the dream job. It's not humanly possible to have this job and be sane. Mm-hmm. It's, you're not meant to do this job. It, the reason why it's a dream job is because it's not a job. This it shouldn't exist, mm-hmm. and just learning that from this book and the things they all went through is incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'm. It was very interesting watching you kind of read that and report back to me every couple chapters or so with your thoughts and feelings, especially since like I know you have a couple ideas for like travel shows that you would enjoy doing, um, and you were very seriously considering like, oh, should I just start my own production let me highlight during this book and i'll go back and i'll see you know what was it worth it for this guy was it not worth it for this guy and (laughs) every time you would come back to me you would just be like more and more horrified about the shit you were reading (laughs) but also like more and more motivated like yes this is so fucking cool but also i don't i i couldn't do this this is insane right well I, i guess the cat's out of the bag yeah i had a travel show idea um very heavily inspired by Anthony Bourdain's show, uh, someone that I used to know, he and I met up uh, the day he died because we both loved his work and kind of came up with this idea for the show. And we pitched it around to Netflix and Apple and they gave us great feedback. And, you know, it was good motivation to be like, yeah, I want to do this, but it always has been just dream, you know, never a a goal, just a a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And if it could have worked out, fuck it. Yeah. If not, there's no skin off my balls. But reading this book, like you said, I, I was getting and losing motivation all at the same time mm-hmm. and i look back at it I'm like the show resulted in a suicide multiple accidents on set strangulations and a book deal so hey it's pretty good but they got some emmys on the way so maybe it's worth it hey yeah. i don't know yeah um travel show i can't even imagine like knowing traveling without trying to produce something at the same time like it's stressful it's very stressful and i can't imagine as often as these people were working because they were churning out episodes all the time, right? Right. Like, they were probably away from home for most of the year. I can't imagine what that does to someone's brain. Like, inconsistent sleep, time zone change, just exhaustion. You're eating new stuff all the time. It's probably fucking with your stomach and you just want to lay down. (laughs) No, that's very much the experience of the book. And I feel like uh, the author, I think his name is Tom Vital, Thomas Vital. Um... He's a very, just from reading it, a very neurotic person. He's not down to try the bizarre foods like everyone else is. He he really does just want to go home at the end of the day and get his job done so he can spend time at home. The few weeks he gets to stay at home, he's still working. He's still editing. Anthony's still emailing him saying, I don't like this cut or let's change this and let's do that. To the point where like Anthony Bourdain wanted him to move into his building just so we can keep bugging him in person. God, I can't even imagine. Yeah, Bourdain was just, he was a menace to him. And this guy stuck next to him because he knew, like, this is probably one of the greatest shows on the planet. 
and, and it, was. it was and it really was yeah and it moved so many people and you he talks about the celebrity status of anthony bourdain and how anywhere he'd go people know who he is but they don't really know who he is like he does this mm -hmm. man has been strangled by him and threatened by him and he just sees anthony just smiling with fans being like yep love my fans but he was a miserable man mm -hmm. he was miserable he was unhappy he just it never seemed fulfilling to him and it's a hell of a story yeah it's a it's really, a hell of a fucking story really fascinating book that once again that is in the weeds by i think thomas vital it's bomb apparently i i have to read your copy selfishly i mean it was given to me by shout out fucking armand your fucking homie he, oh and shit. he just gave me the book recommendation it was you need to fucking get this book i got it read it love the guy thank you for the book but like holy shit what incredible read we've been gifting it to people yeah yeah just oh read this it's so entertaining yeah shout out armand lovely man lovely lovely man and he gives a good book recommendation yep <laughs> fucking yeah we've been reading some good stuff i need to definitely step back on my grind i've kind of fallen off a little bit but i have ruts i get stuck in my ruts yeah and i think after this fucking poetry book i definitely need something more narrative mm -hmm, yeah. definitely i am a sucker for essayists I love a book of essays so much, especially when it's just like a deep personal dissection. <laughs> it's so cool to me. I have a great essay book. If you want to read it? Yeah. It's called The Conspiracy Against the Human Race. Okay. It is the most depressing thing in the world. Oh. <laughs> it is a series of essays on why humanity is pointless and, you know, the human condition is flawed and why we are flawed and all these just negative takes on humanity and life itself in the universe and just the balance of karma and justice and the author has like little footnotes afterwards like the author of this essay submitted it to these competitions and won three weeks later was found dead in his own hotel room and oh. it's like just trying to like put in this theme of like look how edgy this person was <laughs> look how real he was and i put it down like halfway through i was like first of all this book is depressing me it makes me want to smoke cigarettes as i'm reading it but mm -hmm. also just like it wasn't gelling with me mm -hmm. the themes weren't you know existential and thought-provoking they're just dreadful to listen to yeah i i definitely like something that gives me room to take my own meaning out of it and like maybe i don't know like relate certain parts of someone else's story to like things that i've experienced and kind of understand like a little bit more about life and the human condition and emotions and the way people interact with each other that <laughs> as interesting as it does sound it sounds like a bummer it very much is and that's why i didn't finish it because mm. it just it wasn't interesting it wasn't a peek into that mindset it really was just like edgelord kind of language mm -hmm. and not you'll very, never feel as bad as i feel no literally it's like and that's okay because who cares and i was like oh okay well that's the whole fucking book like, i guess i'll just go who in. cares if i finish this book then like what's the point then you know? no literally that's my like, fucking take on it yeah <laughs> I can throw it out the window. What's the point of reading the book if I already like, you know, like, yeah, come on now. Come yeah. on. But I feel like, you know, like you're saying, going into like the human psyche and what people are like. I love reading biographies for that reason. Yeah. And maybe it's coincidence or not. I read a lot of like musician biographies. I think they're really interesting. They typically live really just entertaining, but also kind of abused lives. And they're really fascinating to read about. Mm -hmm. But you do see you see what motivates these people when they're writing these books way down the line when they have so much hindsight it's really fascinating yeah to be able to kind of go over your own experiences with like a fine tooth comb and in the safety and the time that you need and however long however many words it takes the words you want to use it's really cool it's really really interesting to see what people do when they have all the power right 
And not that, like, oh, I'm reading all of these books about people who are, I don't know, destroying other people's lives and telling all these awful things about other people. And like, no, it's it's very, it's an introspective thing, and it's really interesting, and is is very is very lovely. That's why I like my feminist books so much. I just like reading about women. You know, you get connected to like the women of old and the women before you and the women before them and the women before the women, and they tell stories and the stories are passed down and I, I get to receive them as a young person and, and think, ah, all of this knowledge from the elders. Thank you so much. I can apply this to my own life. You are amazing. I'm going to give you some of my Roxanne Gay books. I like her. I no, like her a lot. Literally, please do. I still have to read your Sylvia Plath that you recommended me. Yo, yeah. the bell jar, bruh. That one, <laughs> I'm already, I'm feeling I'm going to get shit for this. That one, I don't know. It's definitely... It, it's it's a bit bleak. It's ever so slightly bleak. I don't mind that though. It it's definitely not the same energy of like everything's pointless. Blah, blah. Right. There's nothing. There's nothing for you here. It's not that, but it's it's a woman who is very mentally ill reflecting on her experiences in like a professional working world and being a woman who didn't necessarily want what a woman should want back in the day when that was a big issue. Mm -hmm. Not that it's still not an issue for a lot of people, but back when it was like, oh, you don't you don't want to be a housewife? You don't want to do that? You don't want to be a secretary for the rest of your life? Ugh, what are we going to do with you? This is terrible. It was very interesting. Incredibly interesting. And definitely the kind of book that came along at a very ripe time in my life when I was like in high school and making all of these big decisions about my life and who I wanted to be and all of that and it, it definitely it'll get in there it'll tell you like it's tough out here baby but also it helps you kind of understand that you, you need to like you need to be self-reliant you got this it's gonna be okay well, <laughs> it might not be okay you're gonna go through some shit but you're gonna be stronger for it it was it was it's very interesting and i do love sylvia plath she is a beautiful poet if you ever want to read her work i'd love to yeah, yeah no, i'm excited lend you some of my books you yeah. lend me some years i definitely want to read the anthony bourdain one just because i keep recommending it to everybody <laughs> i haven't actually read it myself and if you want some feminist literature um Lit. that book that i read women talking i still recommend that one period i definitely want to read that yeah. super bad that one is just you know women in a very conservative uh, society we'll put it that way yeah, that one, you loved that one. We got that one from Boston, right? We got that one in Connecticut. 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 Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it was a breeze. I, I flew through it because it really is, it's very dialogue heavy. Mm -hmm. So it really is kind of reading these conversations with women planning an escape from their culture and the thoughts and the, the angles and the, the trials they have to go through in order to even consider leaving their, their homes. And it's a very interesting story based on true events and hell yeah highly recommend it's called women talking hell yeah no that's definitely on my list i'm gonna start stealing your books please do what are some books you read as a kid well let me tell you uh my first book was called ducks and muck ducks and muck ducks and muck it is a classic it is about um some ducks who are on a truck and the truck gets stuck in muck and by some sort of strange twist of events the ducks also get stuck in muck. Oh my God. It's crazy. It's bonkers. And it was the very first book I read and I liked it a lot. Um, <laughs> what about when you were like formative years? When you're like, I, I read now. What's my kind of book? What were you like? What, what was that first like 
series that you read that no one was reading you're like this is my series this is this is my shit um the aragon books i really liked i read the first one i did not read the others but i really enjoyed the first one dragons bro but the movie sucked i, d- I never saw the movie terrible didn't bother with it i know it. the fan base like shits on it but mm-hmm. i just didn't enjoy the movie too much and then when i read the book i was blown away by how like cooler that world seemed oh it's so immersive and like as someone who was a a tween who was very hyper fixated on dragons for some reason it just scratched all the right itches but i think the very first book i ever read that i was like oh shit this is kind of grown and i'm reading this i'm reading this this is awesome but it was still kind of for like the youths i actually stole this one from my sixth grade class hey so if you were my homeroom teacher from my sixth grade class i'm very sorry i liked this book a lot and i swiped it and i feel bad about it now so i will donate books to the kids or whatever i'll get back to it i'm sorry it's a book called um david's heart i think and it's about this girl who loses her brother like her older brother in i think a car accident but the whole shtick is like he's an organ donor so she goes through like a lot of her like formative years and she has all of these experiences and she's always just like looking for that last piece of her brother because he died very tragically and she never got to say goodbye and she ends up going on this whole crazy wonderful journey meets the person who got her brother's heart and they have like this just beautiful like heartbreaking conversation and she she learns a lot and she grows a lot and she gets to i don't know see her brother in like a new light it was really nice actually that sounds really nice yeah i did do the shitty thing and steal the book but i liked it a lot well you stole it because you liked it yeah how about you what was the first one that you were like damn i am reading right now i think the author that when i was young i really latched on to i'm gonna probably butcher her name Cornelia Funk, Funky, Funke. Why does that sound so familiar? So she did a book. This is the first one. Much like Aragon and Lord of the Rings, all the other books that I read, this one was also Dragons. It's called Dragon Rider. Ooh. Very much a kid's novel, though. Like, it's long, but it really is just like a, you know, basic reading level. Very entertaining book. And then I ended up reading her other books. She did another one called The Thief Lord. I loved this one. I've never heard of this. This might be why I got really into the video games I did when I was younger, but it takes place in Venice, Italy, and it's about a group of kids who are thieves who hang out in old movie theaters that are run down and run on rooftops and they hide from detectives. And it's like the coolest like story. When I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, the kids running away, they're bandits, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then I continued my search down this author's, you know, discography (laughs) um uh their their collection so i explored more of this author's uh collection her published works and i discovered the ink heart series yeah you mentioned this i've mentioned them yeah the first one is very interesting it's about a, a family who when they focus hard enough or you know read carefully they can bring things out of books and I believe the first one is they bring a villain out of a book and the second and third books ink spell and ink death they get stuck into the book's world and it's I don't know it's really cool it's really interesting to me at the the time I learned a lot about just like how old books were made and the uh, the characters themselves were book binders so they tended books they cared for them and I learned like a big respect from books Mm -hmm. or for books and um yeah I remember being really excited because they announced like a a movie trilogy with i think the release of the second book or something 
and the movie came out. It had Brendan Fraser. I was super <laughs> excited. It Hell had yeah. Andy Serkis was the main villain. So I was like, oh my God, I love Andy Serkis as Gollum. Let's see what he can do. Ooh. And the movie just fucking sucked. Oh, sorry, bud. Yeah, the, the rest of the series just never made it through. And it's disappointing. But honestly, like I'm kind of glad because mm-hmm. the movie just didn't kind of capture the magic of the books. It was a Peter Jackson thing. Like the first movie was just so that they just kind of gave up afterwards. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Did you ever read the Peter Jackson series? I thought you meant Peter Jackson, like when he adapted Lord of the Rings. No. I was like, what do you mean the first one is good, the other one sucks? What are you talking about? Hold on, we about to get in a fight real quick. <laughs> Which Lord of the Rings is your favorite? Uh, uh Okay, you're talking about Peter Jackson? Uh the other one, the okay. book series. Okay. That was no, it wasn't Peter Jackson. That's why you're confused. His name is Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. His name was Percy Jackson. Yeah. Ooh, fucking cringe. Sorry about that. Those are other movies that just didn't translate the books really yeah. well. Because the books were so childish and so outlandish they were fun as fuck they though. were fun but like there's there's an element that couldn't be brought to the big screen mm-hmm. you know it's it's not realistic enough to ever be adapted unless it was like fully animated or something but with real people it would never look good and not, it didn't not to shit on all adaptations though like did you ever read peter and the Starcatcher growing up i did not <gasps> those books were my everything oh my god my dad used to read those books to me and my sister when we were growing up like before we'd go to sleep and they were so fun like it was set in like the peter pan universe kind of but it's like really like serious adventures like they get they go to prison they have to break out of prison and there's a whole bunch of it's just so magical the star stuff is real oh but there is a stage show that was adapted from those books that is delightful okay and if i may get a personal shout out for a second i would like to shout out creative genius mo moffat for directing a version of peter and the star catcher in our uh in in college in our senior year uh they fucking killed it and it is just such a delight to be a part of something that finds the magic from like those books and then manages to carry it over into a completely different medium it's so cool yeah no it's super cool yes what was the one book that you may have been like forced to read via peer pressure or the schooling system that you were like fuck this i actually hate reading (laughs) what was the one what was the first book that broke you that's actually a tough one right you want a second noodle I think I have to give that one, that title to a book that we read called The K. What? It's it's a book, if I remember it correctly, it's about a boy who is on a, a white boy, let's make that clear. A white boy. Is on a cruise ship and there's an accident, it sinks or something and he gets hit in the head and he wakes up on a raft boat. The first thing he sees is the sun and he's blinded or something. So he's blind for a couple of days with this person who takes him to a small island where they go and they live together. They have shelter. They keep him warm while he's blinded. And there's like tsunamis and storms. And he protects him the entire time. And then the big reveal is the man that was protecting him and saving him was black. <laughs> That's the big reveal. That's the big reveal. Is this like set in a time where that would be like a huge deal i believe so probably you know early 20th century late 19th interesting but like when did the book come out probably around that era too it's not a very modern book as far as i could tell okay but it's just one of those where the theme was so on the nose the entire time Mm. because i think you the reader know he's black too Mm. so there's this feeling of like okay well he's also on the cover of the book 
So you, okay, so you, you know, know right off the jump. You know right off the bat. You know right off. The bat. <laughs> you know right off the bat, and it's it was just one of those where the theme was so obvious and so on the nose that you can tell our boomer ass teacher was like, "This is revolutionary." Mm-hmm. While we're just like, "Yo, this is fucking <laughs> stupid." I am brown, and I don't know if I should be offended right now. <laughs> No, that's super fucking awkward. Definitely an aged like milk book. I'm so sorry, but no, it's okay. What about you? What was the book that made you go, yo? Maybe I don't like reading. Oh God! Don't say the Bible. It wasn't the Bible. I actually spoilers. I mean, character dies at the end. Well, I I read a lot of the Old Testament for college, and that shit's crazy. That shit goes crazy, bro. Um, but back in back in my youth, I think the first book that I was ever like this sucks this is bullshit what's that fucking book called it's a charles dickens um it's like pip and mrs haversham and oh my god i'm gonna if it's oh god what is it what is it it's a charles dickens it's the charles dickens book basically um and i fucking hate charles dickens i learned and he made me hate reading because this motherfucker back in the day like he's known for this now this went down with his reputation he was a writer back in the day when you got paid like per fucking word like you got paid per paragraph and he was like fuck i need some money (laughs) so whatever could be said in the span of like five to ten words a short complete sentence miss girl would go off and write a damn thesis about it to say one fucking point it is a slog to get through this book. And I know it's a classic. I respect it's a classic. But I cannot wait until I die so I can fight Charles Dickens in hell for being relevant hundreds of years later and making me read that boring ass bullshit. I just, I can't stand some of the classics. And I, I know I'm going to get shaded for saying that because I don't have the patience. I have vine attention span. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a modern woman and I don't want to read Charles Dickens waffle on about nothing. That was my tea. That was my rant. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Well, once you find out the title of the book, I'll know which one to uh, avoid. Yeah, shameful. Shameful. I should remember the title of the book that made me hate reading for like an entire summer. But... I don't know. Good for me. Good for me. I booted that out of there. No room for it. You know what was bullshit? Fucking summer reading. Yeah. What a joke. You had like, I mean, like my school would give you like a list, but there were some you have to read this book and this book and this book. And some of them are cool. But the ones that sucked, having to do that over summer was painful. Well, the ones that sucked were the ones that were like required that like day one of, you know, the new school year, you're already being fucking questioned on it oh the teacher wants to weed out who's actually doing work and who's not that's fucking bullshit bro it's the first day of class literally like i just got up at 6 30 in the morning for the first time in like three months i have no idea where i am or what's going on i don't remember anything about this book that i was supposed to read i don't care i don't care i'm sorry absolutely ridiculous no redonkulous so um summer reading cool if you're doing it on your own time reading what you want lame if it's required yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. I feel like required reading in school made me hate reading. It was just the it was the occasional like, oh, I just don't get this book and I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, because there's some that I'm really grateful that I read and some yeah. that like got me into wanting to read. But most of the time it got in the way of me reading the things that I wanted to actually like enjoy reading. Yeah. And made me kind of just like push away from it because when I had my free time, 
not reading. I didn't want to spend it reading when I just finished reading required reading. I don't know. I don't know. Reading. The man, bro. The man. The man. You gotta stick it to the man. We live in a society. I'm the joker, baby. I think with that, mm-hmm. should we wrap up? You know what? Fuck it. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap We've up. been in this room for a little while. I'm getting a little post-podcast sweat on me. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's go smoke a bowl and have some nachos. Let's go smoke a bowl and have a snack. I like that. Yeah. Oh, that, thank you. Thank you, everybody who is still listening you rock you're the coolest thank you for hanging out with us again we got lots of uh, exciting stuff coming up so uh stay tuned yeah and if anybody uh <laughs> is sick of us talking about what the fuck we're watching and listening to and reading tell us what you're watching and listening to and reading and we will give it a go i'm always looking to expand my damn horizons bruh yeah leave a comment we are literally everywhere spotify youtube apple podcasts i don't know I'll double check and see where we're not, but I think it's easier to list where we are. I am but a vessel. Fill me with your content. Please and thank you. But thank you for being here. Bye. See you later.